Hey everyone, welcome back to Money on a Mission. Today, we're going to talk about a few principles that the Bible teaches us we should apply in our work. Let's get started. With all the challenges money brings, how can we manage our finances in a way that aligns with our values? To answer this question, I've looked to mentors, books, and most importantly, the Bible. Join me as we seek to glorify God and love others in the way we manage our finances. This is Money on a Mission. All right, welcome back. Last time we talked all about working and earning. We covered why we should work and said the Bible teaches us that work is to provide for yourself and for your family, to provide for others, to provide value to your community, and most importantly, to glorify God. And when we work, we should make sure that we enjoy our work, we work really hard, we are patient, and then we be successful and give all the glory to God. So now that we know why we work and how we work, the Bible also teaches us a few principles that we should apply within that work. And today we're going to cover three different topics on that. They're not directly related to each other, but they all fall under that same umbrella of working and earning. So we're going to talk about three things. First, the type of work that you do. Second, how to take a Sabbath in your work. And third, the proper treatment of workers or employees in the workspace. So let's get right to it. First off is the type of work that we should do. In this, we see similar themes to ones that we've already covered a few times, especially in the episodes on things that are more valuable than money. But today we get to apply a handful of the verses specifically to our work. So the first quality that our work needs to have is righteousness. Our work should be righteous. We covered this verse in episode 3, Proverbs 10:16. The wage of the righteous leads to life. So the wages that you are going to earn from righteous work is going to be so much more life-giving than from unrighteous work. All right, now a few new verses that specifically apply to work. Jeremiah 22, verse 13 says, Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his upper rooms by injustice. Habakkuk 2, verse 9 says, Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house. Proverbs 11.18, The wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. And Proverbs 20, verse 17, Bread gained by deceit is sweet to man, but afterwards his mouth will be full of gravel. These verses show us that unrighteous work will not fulfill us. The Bible says twice in these verses, Woe to him who gets evil gain. The wicked earn deceptive wages, but on the other hand, the righteous sows a sure reward. We are so much better off doing work that is righteous in nature, work that glorifies God, work that you would be proud to tell somebody about, that you would be proud to talk to your family or your church members about because they know that the work you're doing is right. The product that you provide, the service that you provide benefits people in a good and positive way. And these are just along with all the other principles that the Bible would teach about what it means to be righteous, what it means to act in a way that is in accordance with what God teaches us and asks of us in alignment with his character. In this category, we can see a few examples from the Bible. The first is one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20 verse 15 says, you shall not steal. We should not be making a living or making our money by stealing it. Zechariah 5 verse 3 also says, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole land. For everyone who steals shall be cleaned out according to what is on one side. So, despite it being unrighteous, God says here in his word that for the, him who steals, it will be wiped out anyways. 
So that money that you're going to make or that benefit that you're going to get from stealing something as opposed to working in a righteous way, one, is going to dishonor God, and two, isn't going to last you anyways. So do not steal to make your money. Okay, the second example of unrighteous work is one that is difficult even to talk about. I think we can all accept this in our society, but because it appears in the Bible, I'm going to read these two verses just so we make sure that we know this is not a righteous way to earn any money. Amos 2 verse 6 says, Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke punishment, because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and turn aside the way of the afflicted. A second verse on this is Joel chapter 3 verses 5 through 7. For you have taken my silver and my gold, and you have carried my rich treasuries into your temples. You have sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their own border. Behold, I will stir them up from the place which you have sold them, and I will return the payment on your own head. These verses show us that it is absolutely wrong and unrighteous to make money, to make work, to have any association with the business of selling people. Slavery is an absolute tragedy. God created all people equally, and the fact that it still exists today absolutely breaks my heart. I believe that everybody listening to this podcast is on the same page here, and these verses make it absolutely clear. We should have nothing to do with this business. Instead, the work that we do should be righteous. We should treat people well. We should provide good services. We should glorify and honor God and love others in the work that we do in a righteous way. All right, let's move on to the next trait that we should find in our type of work. Our work should be honest. Deuteronomy 25 verse 15 says, A full and a fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Proverbs 11 verse 1 says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And Proverbs 20 23 says, Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord, and false scales are not good. In all of your dealings, in all of your work, be meticulously honest. This is something that I learned from a pastor that I really, really respect, who says, I won't even take a pen from the workplace, much less do anything that would be considered unequal in weight or balance, or tipping a scale to benefit in some way that rips off somebody else, or measuring something or using metrics to portray some fact that is not entirely true. We should be meticulously honest to the detail and do everything possible to portray the full and honest truth about our product, about our service, about the business and the dealings within the company, about everything that goes on in the purview of your workspace. Be honest and be filled with integrity in all that you do. Okay, and finally, for our type of work, the work that we do should provide values to other as opposed to extort money from them. Exodus 23 verse 8 says, You shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. Deuteronomy 16:19 says, You shall not pervert justice, you shall not show partiality, and you shall not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Lastly, Ecclesiastes 7, 7 says, Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. These verses talk specifically about bribes and oppression, but can also be applied in general. If you are in a position to actually accept bribes, maybe politics, law enforcement, government, anything like that, the simple answer here is don't. Don't be purchased for a price in order to do something that is unrighteous. Don't accept a bribe. Don't extort a bribe. 
You can also apply this in general to mean don't let money cause you to act in opposition to your principles. A bribe is something specifically paid to entice a specific response. But the same concept can be found in business where if you had an opportunity to do something not quite right, but it might make you a little bit more money, that money is in essence bribing you to do something wrong. Don't give in to that. It's not worth the money to be breaking your principles and to be dishonoring to God in the work that you're doing. Let's look at a couple other verses. Ezekiel twenty two twenty nine says, The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and needy and have extorted from the sojourner without justice. Proverbs twenty two sixteen says, Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or give to the rich will only come to poverty. And Luke three fourteen says, A soldier asked Jesus, What shall we do? Jesus said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations, and be content with your wages. Extortion here refers to the use of power to take something by means of coercion or force. So just like with a bribe, if you're actually in a position to do this, don't. If you are in a position of authority that you could force on somebody to get more money from them, don't do it. Authority is given by God and it is meant to be used to love others the way that God would, to take care of and to lead others the way that God would want you to. So use your authority for good, not for extortion. This can also be applied in general. If you're in the business of selling any product or providing any service, don't use coercion, trickery, false advertising to get somebody to buy something or pay for something that they don't need or shouldn't want. So rather than accepting bribes or extorting money, we should instead provide value to people. This is what work should focus on. And this is what any job, product, or service should do. Provide value to people. If your work is focused on making the most money, then you can easily slip into temptations to veer off the right path. But if your focus is on providing the best product or the best service to take care of your customers and your clients, then you won't have to worry about these temptations because you're not going to let money sway you off of your path. You're going to be doing what you do because you love the people that you're serving through it. So to avoid the temptation that money can have, to avoid the temptation of bribes or extortion, focus instead on providing value. Okay, that wraps up the type of work that we should do. So now let's move on to the second concept, the Sabbath. Now, last episode, we talked all about working really hard. And this time we're covering the one exception. The concept is simple. One day a week, we rest from our work. This concept comes from the example that God the Father set himself when he was creating the earth. In Genesis 2 verses 2 and 3, it says, On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God sets the example, but it's not just that example. The Bible also tells us many times directly that we too should take a Sabbath. Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 through 10 say, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is with you within your gates. And then Exodus 34 verse 21 says, Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. 
And then I found seven other verses that read almost identical to this one in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy that all say, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Okay, the directive is pretty clear. So how do we apply it? Well, I think that's pretty obvious too. One day a week, we rest from our work. Now, how we do this can vary person to person. And it really depends on your situation and your work of what a Sabbath really means. But I think there are a couple points that should remain consistent across the board. What this does not mean is we don't sit and do nothing because we're not allowed to move. We aren't slaves to the Sabbath where we're just stuck doing nothing. Jesus says in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, this isn't a restriction or a command just to keep us from moving, to tell us sit still and don't do anything. But it is something to provide rest for us that we need in order to set our priorities right and get our hearts realigned one day a week. So regardless of how you specifically take your Sabbath, I believe every Sabbath should do a few certain things. The first one is a Sabbath should carve out time for the things that we should prioritize, namely God and family. Most people take their Sabbath on a Sunday, and this is a day where you go to church, you go to small group, maybe have some family time, go for a hike, go for a walk, spend some time outside, and spend time with the people that are going to draw you closer to Christ and your family that's going to draw you closer to each other. The second thing that you should do on a Sabbath is rest. Even if you really enjoy your work, you gain tons of value out of it, you love doing it, and you work really hard at it and you enjoy that, you still do need rest from it. Exodus 23 verse 12 says, On the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. So this rest is important that we may be refreshed. It's important for our bodies, for our minds, and for our spirits too, just to take some rest. So the whole concept of a lazy Sunday is actually pretty accurate here. Maybe watch some football, maybe read a book for pleasure, not necessarily for study, but take some time to rest. Okay, the third thing that I believe a Sabbath should do is something that I didn't really understand until recently, but that is a fast from our work. For me, it's easy to see the first two reasons. We rest and we spend time with God and family. But the third one is kind of a new concept for me that I didn't get really until launching this podcast and starting to work on it in the mornings. If we truly enjoy our work, if we find purpose in it, if we know that it's serving God and others, it can be hard to rest from it. It's something that we might desire to do every day. And so while some people might look forward to the Sabbath all week thinking, oh, this is finally my time to take a break. Some others really want to keep working. They're so driven in their job or driven in the work that they do that they just want to do it every day. But even in this case, we still should take a Sabbath and fast from our work because it will humble us and make sure that we glorify God in our work. Ezra chapter 8 verse 21, the prophet Ezra says, I proclaimed a fast that we might humble ourselves before our God. And that's the concept that was kind of new to me as I was studying this, that we might humble ourselves on the Sabbath. If we work seven days a week, it becomes a whole lot easier to take the credit for ourselves. Well, I worked every single day, seven days a week, 24-7. I did all this. This success is mine because look at how hard I worked. But taking a Sabbath and fasting for one day a week 
really forces us to recognize that it's God who gives the success, God who gives the growth. So like I mentioned, when I started working on this podcast is really when I got to internalize this concept of fasting from work on the Sabbath. I work in the mornings, I wake up and do it before the kids are up and I get so much joy out of it that I just want to wake up on Sunday and do the same thing. But when I fast, I recognize that if this podcast is able to impact people and grow, it's going to be purely because of God, not because I'm working seven days a week and get to give myself any credit. It's purely the Lord. Okay, so to wrap up the concept of the Sabbath, the Bible teaches us that we should devote one day a week to the Sabbath where we don't work. This gives us time to be with God and with family, gives us an opportunity to rest and be refreshed, and allows us to fast from our work to ensure that God gets the glory for the fruits of it. All right, that wraps up the Sabbath. So now let's transition to the third concept or the third principle that we should apply in our work, and that is the proper treatment of our workers. So there's a couple things that the Bible says should be consistent in the ways that we treat employees if you're in a position to be employing other people. The first is we should hire able, God-fearing, and trustworthy people. This is first seen when God tells Moses to hire some men to help him out with his leadership of Israel. Exodus 18, 21-23, God says to Moses, Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, men who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So in this, God describes the ideal workers as able, God-fearing, trustworthy, and hating a bribe, or basically honest and based on integrity. And then God says, give them authority over your business. They can bring the big things to the boss, but for the normal operations, they should decide themselves and they should be workers that are trustworthy enough to make those decisions and have it align with the vision, the goal of the leader and of the organization. And then the result of this, God says, is it will make it easier for the boss. They will bear the burden with you. You'll move forward together. And then God will direct you, you will be able to endure, and your affairs will carry on in peace. That's a pretty good result. So I'd say this is pretty good advice. Okay, let's look at what happens when you do the opposite. Proverbs 26.10 says, Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or a drunkard. So if you don't hire good people, but you hire fools, you're like someone just aimlessly shooting arrows in every direction. You not only miss the mark, nothing gets accomplished, but people get hurt. So hire good people, trustworthy people, God-fearing people that can bear the burden with you. And it will go really, really well for you because you're working as a team for the same mission and doing it well together. Okay. Once you hire those able people, how should you treat them? Well, the Bible says a couple things about that. First, Genesis 30 teaches us that we should pay a fair wage. In this passage, Jacob works for a man named Laban. And before Jacob leaves to return to his home, Laban says in verse 28, The Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. So Laban recognizes the blessing of a good worker, and so he offers to reward him with a good wage. And this is how we should treat employees too. 
Pay them well for what they deserve for the good work that they're doing. James 5.4 says, Behold, the wages of the laborer who mowed your field, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. So if you're holding back wages that those workers deserve, they're going to cry out against you, and they'll be a witness against you. And the workers will cry out, and those cries will reach the ears of the Lord. Pay your people well. Pay them what they deserve. The next lesson we can learn on this is pay them on time. Leviticus 19.13 says, You shall not oppress your neighbors or rob them. Your wages of the hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. So this one's pretty simple. If you have said that you're going to pay your workers a certain wage, pay them on time. If you hold it back, it's like robbing them. Pay them on time. Okay, pay them a good wage and pay them on time. Then treat people really, really well. This is a basic concept for just engaging with other people, but especially from employer to employee. Treat them the way that the Bible tells us to treat people. With love, with respect, with righteousness, dignity, believe the best, and act in their best interest. I don't need to go into many verses on this because this is one of the biggest lessons in the Bible as a whole, simply how to love others. All I'm saying here is this concept from the Bible definitely needs to be applied within the context of working and earning, especially in the ways that we treat each other in the workspace and the way that an employer should treat the employees. For more on treating people well, don't just listen to a podcast about money. Go read the Bible as a whole, specifically the Gospels where Jesus teaches his disciples how to love like he does. So there we have it. Let's wrap up. Three topics that are somewhat unrelated to each other, but all fall under the umbrella of working and earning money. The first, consider the type of work that you do. It should be righteous, it should be honest, and it should provide value to others. Second, honor the Sabbath. Prioritize God and family, get some rest, and fast from your work so God can have the glory. And third, treat your workers really, really well. Hire good people, pay a fair wage, and love them like Jesus does. For more from Money on a Mission, make sure you subscribe so you get the new episodes when they launch. Also, if you think it's worth it, add a rating and a review. A five-star rating does a lot to boost the podcast and help it to reach more people. Next, head to the website, moneyonamissionpodcast.com, where you can find show notes with all these Bible verses we talked about and more, and a place to enter your email so you can join the newsletter. Third, I'd love to engage with you on Instagram. My username is Ned Kingman. Like and comment and shoot me a direct message if you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show. And finally, most importantly, please share this podcast. If you've gotten any value out of this episode or think it can provide value to anyone you know, hit the share button, text this episode to a friend, or send a link to the website. I need your help. Let's work together to make sure we can impact as many people as possible and change the way our generation manages money. I hope and I pray that you've been blessed through this episode, and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, glorify God, love others, and always manage your money on a mission. Uh